just heard the story of the wise men and a few of the other bits and pieces from the Christmas story. How far would you go to see something special? How far have you been to go see uh, a great um, place, a great place to visit, tourist destination, something really special? How far would you go, be willing to travel to experience a once-in-a-lifetime event? I know some who plan to travel into state and go and watch Hamilton, the musical. Maybe you did get there, maybe COVID stopped you getting there. Others will spend thousands to do something and go see something unique, maybe the Taj Mahal or diving with sharks, whatever takes your fancies, takes your fancy. Some travel overseas, some go on pilgrimage. Some just go for holidays to tick items off their bucket list. I wonder, children, you know the story of the wise men? How far do you reckon they travelled to go see Jesus? We're told they came from the east, probably from Babylon. We're not 100% sure. But that would have been over a 1,000 kilometres away. And they didn't take an aeroplane. They didn't drive in a car. They probably took a few camels. That's what's in most nativity scenes, isn't it? That was more than just a day trip on a camel, a 1,000 kilometres. It's probably like a month of travelling with dirty, stinky camels to see Jesus, this one born king of the Jews. They were really keen, weren't they? They really wanted to see this one who they'd been told when the star shone that there would be king of the Jews there waiting for them at the other end. They wanted to go. When they got to um, Bethlehem, they said, where is he? We've seen his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. They travelled over a thousand kilometres to come and worship Jesus. And it's something of a theme really through the Christmas narrative. It's a theme for us tonight. The wise men, we're told, come, came from afar. The shepherds left their flocks and they say, come, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened that the angel told them about. Even Herod asked the wise men to come back so that I may go and worship him, although his motives were not so honest or honourable. How far have you come to get here tonight? How far have you travelled? How far will you travel on Christmas Day? From breakfast at your place to lunch somewhere and dinner somewhere else maybe, church in the middle of it all. But more importantly, how far are we willing to go to see God? There are some in the world today who are lost, but they're looking for a sign, searching in life, looking for something to give them hope, to give them life. And by the grace of God, they seek God and they find him. They want to know him. They want to meet him. And as God himself reveals himself to them, they actually come to God and God comes to them. And they worship him as we are tonight. But there are others, sadly, who actually want nothing to do with God at all. They might sing a few Christmas carols this time of year. But truth be told, they don't really want anything to do with God and they would rather God didn't have anything to do with them at the same time. Like Herod, they're disturbed, scared, maybe threatened by the notion of there being a God, of there being one who is actually king over all things, including their life. They don't want to submit to a king. They'd rather avoid God altogether and get rid of him if they could. Like Herod, instead of coming to God and seeing Jesus, they'd rather kill him. 
And we know with the gospel that's exactly what happened. And there's others, if you chat with other people, like the fellow who last cut my hair a week ago or so. He doesn't really care much at all for God. I don't know if he's here. I did invite him and give him a flyer. Um, he, he thought about it. He said, look, I do go to church. I'm still a believer. Go to church. Maybe, you know, go to mass once a year or maybe once every five years or ten years. But it didn't really change anything about his life. It hadn't affected him. Didn't really care. Whether you care or not, or whether you want nothing to do with God or not, or whether you do, the Christmas story and all the Bible, the whole story of God for that matter, is not just a collection of ideas. Some of us heard that this morning. It's not just a bunch of old ideas or new ideas that are relevant or not to our lives. It's not just a fairy tale that some people choose to believe and others don't. The Christmas story is a story, but it's the story of God. It's a true story worked out in history. And it's the story of God outworking his plan for salvation, for redemption, actually to come into this broken, lost and lonely world and save us. As the angel said to the shepherds, to bring good news of great joy, peace on earth and joy to all who would hear it and believe. But a story like this one is not merely for our enjoyment, not one we can just sit down and listen to. It's not just a bedtime story or something to read for our intellectual stimulation and assent or not. It's actually a story which demands a response from us. A story which demands a response from us. You can't just close the book and put it down and say, that was nice. This is the story of a king. It's the story of a king who was born king of the Jews. But as the story goes on, this king, Jesus, born in Bethlehem, he died and he rose again from the dead. And he now reigns as Lord of all, not just king of the Jews, but Lord of heaven and earth and everyone in the earth. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. And like any king will tell you, a king is meant to be honoured and revered where to submit to him as he reigns. And this king, Jesus, he's a holy king. He's righteous. And his holiness and his righteousness requires none other than holiness and righteousness to enter into his presence. No one can enter his kingdom, no one can enter into the presence of God without that same holiness and righteousness. But the world's forgotten much of that. Christmas time, it's all a lot of tinsel, a lot of gifts, a lot of presents, a lot of fun stuff. But we've lost something of the holiness of God that takes place and is shown to the world at Christmas time. In the very weakness and vulnerability of a little baby, there is the Son of God in all his glory and all his holiness. We actually go through life skidding along on the seat of our pants, thinking we're okay, we're good enough. If I don't bother with God, he won't bother with me. But it's not how it is. We're nowhere near good enough or acceptable, and our holiness, our righteousness is more like filthy rags. If you drive to our place from here, you'll pass a few farms, and they've got some big bags on the side of the road with $2 on the side of them. Horse manure. That's as good as our righteousness and good deeds are without Christ. And whether you believe that or not, 
whether you believe in Jesus that he's the son of God or not, doesn't change the truth of this story. There is a day coming, sooner or later, when we will meet him. We will bow down to him, whether willingly or not. And yet, as we've sung tonight, and as the world sings so many times at this time of year, in our carols, there's an invitation to all of us. There's a call, there's a command even from this king to come. O come, all ye faithful. Or as we heard sung at the beginning of tonight, O come, all you unfaithful. All you who are not worthy. Because that's actually all of us. But how can we, unworthy and unfaithful and unholy as we are, how can any of us come and stand before the Lord of all, the Holy One of God? We would be consumed by His holiness, pulverised by the sheer weight of His glory. We sing, come all you faithful, come let us adore him. And yet for any one of us to come before God on his throne takes a miracle. Takes an act of God, not just a Christmas miracle, but an Easter one as well. Because on our own, in our sin and our stubbornness, our ambivalence or our anger towards God, we don't deserve even an audience with him, let alone a place at his table. Or in his family. Which is what he gives us in his son, Jesus Christ. And the good news of the gospel, this Christmas story and the greatest story around Christmas, is that we can actually come before God. We can come near to him, to his throne, because it's a throne of grace. We can actually answer that call to come and respond to the command to come. With humility and with faith. Not because of anything we've done, but because God himself has come to us in his son, Jesus Christ. He's paved the way. That's the Christmas miracle. God himself come in the flesh as a man. He's come to humanity. Jesus, we're told, who though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men and being found in the human form, he humbled himself. You see, God humbled himself to come to us by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the Easter miracle that needs to take place. So that God has now exalted him, this Jesus born in a manger, has exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name so that at his name, at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow. There is a day when every knee will bow before this King. Many of us here will bow before him willingly, will come and worship and adore him, Christ our Lord. Others will come and bow before him. They'll be reluctant, but they won't be able to deny his lordship, his holiness, that he is King How is it that any of us can come before him willingly with hope and joy to worship and adore as the shepherds did that night and the wise men sometime later? Peter tells us in his first letter 
The same Jesus born in a manger also suffered. He suffered and died once for sins. The righteous, that's Christ, for the unrighteous, that's us. He did that so that he might bring us to God, Peter tells us. How is it we come before the holy God and Lord of all? We come only because he actually brings us to himself. He calls us because he died for us, because he who knew no sin came to be sin for us, that we might actually become the righteousness of God. That's the Christmas and Easter miracle wrapped up in everyone who believes the gospel. When I was a teacher a few years ago now, I used to show my year 10s. I used to teach religious studies or Christian living, as it was at the school I was teaching at. And at the beginning of that of course that I put together, I used to show them uh, the never-ending story. Anyone alive and well when the never-ending story was on video? Yeah, old VHS? You've got to find it. It's a good movie. Uh, it's a movie about a book, a story, and a young boy who finds this book. He loves reading. And this book was about a princess who had a kingdom, but the kingdom was falling apart. It was being swallowed up and destroyed by the great nothing, a great darkness that was sucking all the hope and all the dreams and all the imagination out of the world and leaving absolutely nothing behind it. But before the boy finishes the book, as the movie goes on, he goes, the character in the movie goes through all these different adventures. Before he finishes this never-ending story, the boy reading the book actually realises he's somehow in the story. He's not just reading the book, he actually realises he's in there with the characters. And he realises halfway through that the characters themselves are waiting for him to do something. They're waiting for him to act in the story that he's reading. Not just to get caught up in his mind and sort of start imagining, but actually to get into the story, into the book itself, body, mind and heart and soul all together. He actually has to respond to the story. It's a living story as he reads it. And in the end, I won't give it all away, but he needs to give the princess a new name. And he needs to call it out, but for him to do that, he first needs to believe that it's actually him who's been called to do it, that he is actually in the story. And if he doesn't, the great nothing is going to come and suck everything out and there'll be nothing left. The Christmas story, together with the Gospel, the whole story of God in Scripture, is a living story like that. Or the other way around, really. The gospel is not just a living story, it's a life-giving story. Which, like the never-ending story, demands a response from us. Not just to get caught up in a nice night of singing carols and hearing some scripture. But it demands a response for us as we've actually been brought into that story. The birth of Jesus is God's way of coming to us. God has come to us in the flesh, born in a manger, to die on a cross, to save us from our sins, to bring us to God. And the great call of this story is the call to come. We don't need to give this prince a new name. He's got plenty. Prince of Peace. Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Emmanuel. 
Joseph had to give him a name, didn't he? He had to believe the angel and get captured by the story of God and the holiness of God and enter into that story and name Jesus as he was told. And he did. He'll be called Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So we don't need to give Jesus a new name. His name means the Lord is salvation. But we do need to enter into this story. Believe it or not, you're already in it. We need to respond to it. We either hear that call, hear the story, and we respond in faith, or we ignore it and reject it and don't come before God. Now, you might be a visitor here tonight, family, friend, maybe. Maybe you've never thought about what it is to come to God or God coming to you. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe you've been coming to youth group for a long time. This one or another one. But have you ever really come to Jesus, to God? That's different than just coming to church. Jesus tells us, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The prophet Isaiah says the same. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat, buy wine and milk, and come without money and without price. And at the very end of the story, we heard it at the beginning of tonight. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb, all God's people. And the Spirit and the bride together, that's all of us, the end of history will be saying, come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And then we say come Lord Jesus come. So that he would return. That he would appear again and we know where our home is with him. Are you weary? Been a long year? Hard couple of years, not just COVID, but just life. Heavy burdens weighing you down. Need some rest. Come to me, says Jesus. You're thirsty or hungry for hope, for life, comfort, communion, forgiveness. Come, says the Lord. Will you come tonight to the one who has actually come to you? To bring us to God. Drink the water of life. Come and adore Him. Come not because you're any good, not because of your faithfulness or righteousness, but because of His. I hope you heard some of the words and picked them up for that first item tonight that Hayden and Merrin sang for us. Oh, come, all you unfaithful, all you weak and unstable. And know that you're not alone. Come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying. Come and see what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. So come, bitter and broken. Come with fears unspoken. Come, taste of his perfect love. See what your God has done. 
Christ is born. He's born for you. That's what we've heard earlier tonight. You're here, you've come, you've sang. And as the night nears its end, we're going to sing a couple more. But as we sing this next one, I don't want us just to sing it. But I actually want, to do, want us to do the very thing we're encouraging one another to do. And that is, come all ye faithful. Come, worship and adore him. Draw near to God. There's a promise. As we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. He's waiting, he's calling, he's commanding us even to come. And he promises, everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks, the door will be open. So will you come? Let's stand, worship and adore Christ the Lord as we sing, O come, all you faithful together.